Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we have been discussing Dutch Sheets' book titled Intercessory Prayer, And we've been in chapter 7 for quite a bit now, and we've been discussing Romans 8.26, which is kind of the foundation for this chapter. Do you want to give us a little review of what we discussed last week, and then we're going to share some quotes from Douglas Moo commentary on Romans 8.26? Mr. Sheets was suggesting that speaking in tongues is one way, uh, in fact, a really great way to pray in the Spirit. Yes. Somehow had something to do with Romans 8.26. Okay. And we questioned that, and we went through the passages in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 14 about that. But what we need to do is understand what Paul meant in Romans 8.26 in context so that we understand what God is saying here and not read something in to it that's not really Paul's intent in this particular passage. Right. Now, if you've been listening to this entire series, and especially the last four or five episodes, I think we've made this pretty clear, but we have a monergistic view of Romans 8.26. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. Dutch Sheets has what I would call a synergistic view of this, where he has the Holy Spirit interceding through us. Do you think that's an accurate description? It is. I, I, I put down, as I'm reading this, a lot about synergism. Technically, in theology, monergism and synergism are terms that are used for salvation. Right. Salvation is a work of God alone. So I would say that in this context, Paul is assuring Christians that we will be brought to God's uh, purpose for us, which is to be conformed to the image of Christ, and that we won't be separated from his love. And that the things that we're distressed about, God is at work, the Holy Spirit is at work, interceding for us, and we feel the burden, we feel the groaning, and he intercedes. That's that's the point here. So that, that context really has to keep coming back into our minds. Right. And one good way to do that, we've covered this before, read the end of Romans 7. Yes. The issue was the fact that we're still sinners and that there's this battle to live by the Spirit, by God's grace, and not fall back into things that we don't want in our lives. Right. Paul's dealing with that. And then the hope comes in Romans 8, which we've said doesn't contain a single imperative. Right. So in the bigger context, to suggest that Romans 8.26 means that we are helping together with the Spirit, or however he wants to interpret it here, and then the examples that are given in the book, 
changed the whole point of what we're talking about. Yes. Okay, so as we were preparing for this show, you sent me Douglas Moo's commentary on Romans 8.26, and it actually reminded me a lot of what we talked about last week. Do you want to share some of the information that he presents in this? And then we can continue on with what Dutch Sheets is saying in his book. Douglas Moo, New International Commentary in the Testament, points out that the gift of tongues is restricted to some believers, 1 Corinthians 12, 30. We've talked about that. And he said that the groans here means the intercession to come to the aid of all believers. Right. So just for some believers, it's for all believers. Of course, we know that because all believers need to be conformed to the image of Christ. Right. All believers need to be assured that they will not be separated from the love of God and the things that are coming up. So if you look at the context, three different times it talks about groaning. Okay. Which we've talked about. The whole yes. creation groans because of the fall. Yes. We live in a fallen world. If Christians believed that, understood it, a whole lot of theology would be different. Right. A whole lot of priorities would be different. Okay. Fact, I've said often that the reason for really crazy things going on in the world we live in is that there's no longer an idea that there's a fall and that the creation is groaning because we live in a fallen world. Right. So there's a lot of wrangling and, you know, you're a wicked sinner, you're a worse sinner, whatever it is that they want to used to put more guilt on you. You drive your car down the road, so you wicked sinner. Yeah. So there's a lack of understanding of the fall. Okay. okay. So the whole creation groans, verse 22. The Christian groans, verse 23. And if you look at the context, all the way back to chapter 7, where Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. Okay. So then the answer is the work of the Holy Spirit it's going to bring us and carry us all the way to glory. And then here it says, in verse 26, the spirit groans. Right. So there's three groanings, the creation, the Christian, and the spirit who is indwells the Christian and is working through us as we pray and bring our needs to God. Amen. All right. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. Right. So they're not, we've mentioned this before, too deep for words means there's not a vocabulary that we're saying that can be written down. It's this, 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 and this. Because if it's too deep for words, it's not actually expressed in words. Right. I pulled up that word in logos and looked at the Greek and it, using several different resources, and they all say it's something along the lines of inexpressible, unutterable, that which cannot be uttered. There's no definition here that would include something that is a literal tongue, a spoken word. Or, yeah, the gift of tongues, per se, that we talked about last time, are still, is still words that are spoken. Right. So it's really a stretch to read that into this text. 
Yes, it is. And a lot of errors would be uh, alleviated in Christian teaching if people would get the basic principles of hermeneutics, and one of which is context. Yes. Okay. If you take something out of context, the result is generally twisting the meaning of the author. Right. Now, in ordinary human discourse and debate, you see this in political debates. Someone may say something and somebody pulls that out of context to make it look like they said something really bad or something they didn't say. Yes. And then you go back and look at the big context. It's not what they said at all because we want to understand the author's meaning. Now, ordinary human discourse is done by fallen humans who aren't directly inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak inherently for God. Okay. That's scripture. Yes. So the context, when the Holy Spirit inspired scripture, the context tells us the Holy Spirit's meaning. Right. And the Holy Spirit's meaning, in this case, is Paul's meaning, because the, he's the human writer using words that he knew. Yes. Okay, so that's how it works. With the direct, immediate inspiration version, which is common, that God told me through some subjective means, the context goes totally out the window. Right. And the meaning of the Holy Spirit-inspired author, Paul, isn't what, in this case, in this book that we're critiquing, that's not what he's looking for. Right. If he was really, really concerned about Paul's meaning, using the words that he does in the Greek, in Romans 8, 26, I, I promise you he'd be looking at the context and doing so carefully. Yes. But that isn't how much theology is done nowadays, or even back in 1996 when the book was written, because they're looking for some immediate, you know, the light bulb goes on and we get a revelation. And they're, wow, just think about this. This is how this works. Whether or not it has anything to do with the text. Yes. All right. So we are on page 117 of the book here, and he has a heading he calls Taking Hold of Together with Against. <laughs> well, that's sort of the literal taking the different prefixes that are used with the word in the Greek and throwing it out there that way without yes. unpacking the actual meaning of the word. A word with a number of prefixes, I have it right here. Soon, ante, lamban, lambanomai. Okay. So, um, so soon would be with, ante, doesn't always mean against, sometimes it means in place of. Okay. And then lambano uh, is to to, to uh, carry along. So he takes that and makes that the heading, but if you look at all the times it's used in the New Testament, it's only here in one other place, which is in Luke, where it talks about the Martha wanting help. Yes. Yep, I have that in front of me, and it's, then tell her to help me. Right, and then 
when it's used in the Septuagint in the Old Testament, it's in similar context, literally okay. helping someone. Right. So that's making a big deal of the different components of the particular word and unpacking that part of it without looking at context where it's been used elsewhere and so forth. So it's not really so much finding the author's meaning, but finding a possible meaning which fits your preconceived theology, which is getting special revelations from God and getting God to help us because we think he gave us the revelation. Then we pray the revelation back to God, and then together we work it all out and get what it is that we want. And in his case, it's results. Right. Absolutely. He says here, in situations where we're experiencing an inability to get results, the Holy Spirit not only wants to direct our prayers precisely, causing them to light upon correctly, but he also wants to take hold of the situation together with us, adding his strength to ours. Yes. I have that underlined marked up. Look, okay. I think we're doing with Dutch Sheets writing what I've said we should do with anyone, look at the context, see what they mean. Yep. Yeah, I can see what he means, but I don't believe it has anything to do with Romans 8.26. Yes. It's a poor, if that's what Romans 8.26 means according to him, I would say he is dead wrong, he's misinterpreting the Bible, and he's reading his ideas into the text and not determining the meaning of the text. Right. I'm not sure we've actually quoted Romans 8.26 in this episode. So just to kind of get the words in front of us, if you're watching the video or in our mind here, what Romans 8.26 says is, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. Right. And in verse 27, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God or called according to his purpose. We talked about this for the golden chain, but then ultimately, verse 29, those he foreknew he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Yes. In the context, everything is about keeping us in the love of God, keeping us safe, sanctifying us, and bringing us to glory. And the idea that getting results in a temporal sense for some difficulty that we don't like or that we'd like to change, which Certainly that's the case that we do have needs that we bring to prayer and difficulties that we would we really want to overcome. But that's not what Romans 8 is talking about right here. Right. So then if you that's the context of Romans 8. Now in this book on intercession that brings out that Greek word, the compound word. So um take hold of whatever he says and then with the two prefixes. Let's look, let's look at what he says here. 
in situation where we're experiencing an inability to get results, as you said, the Holy Spirit wants to direct our prayers precisely. I, I double underlined precisely there. Okay. Now, causing them to light upon correctly, he also wants to take hold of the situation together with us, adding his strength to our. Now, in the examples throughout this book, what that means is gaining special revelations from however we gain concepts that can be expressed in words in our minds precisely from the spirit and then we take those and pray about those together with the spirit okay so direct our prayer precisely well, so if these are groanings too deep for words and not expressed in words, then I suppose you could, could assume that if you pray in tongues, that's precisely. Which is really a stretch. Well, it's a stretch to assume this is about tongues. Right. Already covered. And then this is about a situation. Well, the context of Romans 8 is not about a specific situation. No, it's about God's eternal purpose to conform his own children to glory. Right. If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and, that and in that is also the promise that if we don't get the results we want, God is still using it for our good. Yeah, the the results we want are temporal we talked about this previously i read this statement i believe yes i've written one of the things you notice in the circles of the new apostolic reformation the word of faith and others that are similar to this is almost everything that they're concerned about is temporal yes it's very rare that you talk about anything eternal right and Temporal would be getting the results we want, whether it's in social sphere, family, medical issues, financial issues, taking, in some cases, taking control over the civil government, or at least making the government do what we want to be done. Okay. We, we pointed that out before, too, with all those decrees. Yes. Now... That's not what Paul's talking about. Right. He was, when he was arrested in Acts, he he knew his appeals to the civil government was to continue to go on preaching the gospel. Right. And he preached it to civil authorities. Yes. Which one of whom said, well, you're almost convincing me. <laughs> right. And that was the intent. Yes. So, if if we really study the Bible for what it means and understand the context, our prayers will be different. I grant that. Okay. We will pray differently as we believe the Word of God. Yes. And we continue to pray for issues that happen in our lives. That's what we should do. What will really be important to us are the one another's in the Bible. Right. In that context, the one another's, we bear one another's burdens. And 
pray for one another and bring when we have sickness we ask the elders to pray and we ask our Christian Christian friends to pray but the idea that if you do it really powerfully in the right way you'll get the result you want we're not totally sure what God's result would look like because we know that the whole purpose is to bring us into conformity to the image of Christ. Yes. Now, I remember several years ago when your health was really bad and things just looked dark and hopeless, you had gotten cards and messages from people all around the world. Do you remember the one that actually gave you the most encouragement? Yeah, I, actually, I think that one came from South Africa, if I remember. Our prayer for you, the note said in the card, was that God would do in your life whatever would bring him the most glory. Amen. Well, That's... it turns out that um, God did answer the prayers of the saints, and I recovered from that and to the point where I, it was hard to imagine in some ways, being as healthy as I am now. Right. Be able to, to do further ministry for years. So when we humble ourselves before God and admit our need, which is certainly what this verse is about, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us. That gives glory to God. Yes. But when you present these stories where someone has a specific a thing of which they want a result and then use the right technique to get it to happen. Okay. And try this and try that and do this and do that. And we're going to get the result we're looking for. You don't, your focus is on your desired outcome, but you're that way. You're not, re, you're focusing on God bringing glory to his name whatever he does in our lives. Yes. And it's good to bring our needs to God. Right. So we're not disputing that, but we're disputing this interpretation of Romans 8, 26. It is so out of context of the bigger point. It's, it's I don't know. How would you, if I had a class in a good solid seminary class, teaching Romans, and I was to write a paper about the author's intent and lay it out there, that kind of work would probably get me a D. Right. Because I had my favorite teacher, was Dr. Versaput, and he, his point was, read the text. Read the text. Yes. And that's really what we would urge our listeners to do. Dear Saints, the text is telling you the meaning. Okay. And we have good translations. Yes. Read the text, read the context. What point is Paul making? Right. His point is that the creation groans, we groan, the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses because we're not sure exactly even how to pray but he is at work in us and working through us. And therefore, we will have hope and comfort knowing that God's will will be done. 
And so these aren't words. If we knew exactly, precisely, as he says uh, in his book, that, that she's, he says it precisely to get results. The Holy Spirit not only wants to direct our prayers precisely, causing them to light upon correctly, but he also wants to take hold of the situation together with us. So now we're into the temporal. Yes. We're totally out of the world. of the. Whole, we're living in a fallen world. The whole creation grows. So that means as long as we're in this fallen world, troubles are always going to come our way. Yep. It doesn't make us any different than anybody else. Okay. Other than we know we have hope and eternal life. Our sins are forgiven. And God is carrying us all the way to glory. Everybody has troubles. Right. Our ability to precisely work together with things to make it get results for us isn't going to be uh, convincing to people because we're, are we claiming Christians don't have problems like other people do? Right. And our problems don't exist because we haven't figured out the the right way to pray or we our prayers aren't precise enough. There, we can probably all think of times where we honestly did not know how to pray. And right. in Romans 8, 26 is the promise for us that that's okay because the Holy Spirit is interceding for us in groanings too deep for words. And he is working out God's will in our life and we can rest in that. A while back, uh, I sort of spontaneously in one of our way back went through the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Remember that? Mm -hmm. If you look at the model prayers we do have, it's not anything like this. Right. It, it isn't finding out precisely what we need to pray for. It's praying, thy will be done. And it's also, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right. We're not overly brazen in our thoughts that, well, I don't care what happens. I'm an overcomer. And I can take it. Yeah. That's not the point. Jesus went through the trials in the wilderness to show that he succeeded where Israel failed. Okay. He overcame every temptation. So rather than saying, I'm a powerful, I'm the great powerful person of God. I've got everything I need. I only make positive confessions. So the Lord prayer says, don't lead me into temptation. I don't have a super high regard in my ability, but I have a lot of confidence in God keeping us from being overcome. Yes. By these things and by giving us grace. Because the point is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Right. So if you read the Lord's Prayer, which is a model prayer, it's really in a larger context a prayer for the return of Christ. Yes. And when he sets up his kingdom, the fallenness is a different is, is different. It's ultimately an eternal kingdom after the millennium th that's all resolved. Right. So the groaning is going on because we live in a fallen world. So he also wants to take all of our situation to go that's right there, you know. Our situation, if he means by our situation that we live in a fallen world, 
and are prone to sin, and we need grace. Yeah. To uh, escape condemnation, all of these things we talked about. Okay. Then that's a good thing to say, but his illustrations show that's not at all what he's talking about. Right. And we're going to get to that next week. Right. It's not so. what Paul's talking about. It's how to get your problem solved. All right. Do you want to give us a quick one minute wrap up? Yeah. We're not downplaying the weightiness of the fact we live in a fallen world and we do have real problems. But what we are saying is that if our hope is an eternal hope and is grounded in the revealed will of God in Scripture, not in us getting special revelations about things that we couldn't possibly know, then we have comfort. But someone saying, get on overcome this particular thing by getting precise things from the Spirit, that is going to make most honest Christians feel very hopeless because we don't have all these glorious stories that the apostles and prophets and other people in this movement are telling us all the time. We're hoping to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yes. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.